Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Today, Greg has a special guest on the show and that is Kirk Chisholm. Greg, why'd you bring Kirk on the show today? Well, Eric, uh, Kirk is a friend of mine that is an accomplished podcaster and a, a financial guide, coach, as it were. Nice. Yeah, I felt that it would be good to share some of his views on things with my clients uh, and our friends here in the podcast world. And so I invited Kirk on to share with us some of his thoughts regarding a, a a little different spin on things, financial resilience and, and how you are needing to get your mindset as well as your own structures of your life set up for those inevitable changes that are out there. Mm -hmm. Kirk is the uh, leading voice of uh, Money Tree Investing Podcast that's been there for I don't know how long, but I'm going to ask Kirk to fill us in on that. So I want to make sure that people that listen to this today also have the opportunity to, to know where to go to subscribe to his podcast because, you know, we tend to be you know 20 minutes here, 20, 30 minutes on our conversations. Uh, Kirk's conversations sometimes go into deep dive as mm -hmm. uh, we were just chatting before we went on air here podcast he's about to drop is i think he said clocked in at, at an hour and 45 minutes but the concept of that conversation was a debate between bitcoin and a real or gold i think he said it was mm. and so you know he's got a lot of people in his orbit that he talks to and has a lot of information to to share but more importantly than the information he shares is is the way he shares it, the way he works with people. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to uh, a friend of mine, a coach of mine in many ways, and a mentor of mine in ways as well. Kirk, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having me on, Greg. My pleasure and, and my honor. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate all the nice things you said about me. I'm not sure if they're all true, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, in the virtual world, we can say a whole lot of stuff, right? <laughs> So, so uh, Kirk, as we get started, can you fill in a little bit of the of the gap there on what I said about your own podcast, uh, Money Tree Investing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the podcast, it's one of the longest running personal finance investing podcasts. We started back in 2014, about 350 shows. It's a weekly show. It's, it's kind of a unique format where we interview the guests for about a half an hour. And then we have a panel discussion between a few panelists about that topic, just getting different perspectives. So, I like it because it's not just about me or the guest. It's it's really just about getting different perspectives so people can think differently. And this actually ties really well into our conversation we're going to be having today. So when we are thinking differently, you know, with regards to our mindset and our money, you know, as we kind of noodled about our conversation today, the concept of financial resilience came to mind. What would you... How would you describe what what your intention is and what the meaning of financial resilience is for our conversation today? Yeah, it's it's a great question. It's it's a a topic I've been talking about for at least the last year. Uh, this concept of financial resilience and it really kind of delves into a few different areas. But really, the main part of it is kind of the mindset that's involved. Because most people, when they think of financial resilience, they're thinking, "How can I not lose money?" 
or, you know, how can I not get wiped out when, you know, 2020 happens, right? Which a lot of people got, you know, significantly harmed. Their businesses were closed. You know, they were unemployed. You can think of all these different things. And being financial, financially resilient isn't about that not happening to you. It's about being able to deal with it when it does. Because inevitably it happens, something bad happens to all of us at one point in time or another, right? You get, maybe you get divorced, maybe your business goes through hard times. We have, you know, at some point we'll have a recession again. Who knows when that'll happen? But, you know, it is a natural occurrence where people go through recessions, they lose their job, all these sorts of things. And I think what's important is not that you don't let it happen to you, but that you're prepared for it when it does. So 2020 is a great example. So 2020 hit, no one was prepared for it, you know, in terms of that it would actually happen. No one was expecting it to happen. And when it did, it was a lot worse than people thought, right? Who would have thought, hey, we're going to shut down the global economy for a few months. You know, that that was not, I think, in anybody's uh, contingency plans. Not on the agenda coming into 2020? <laughs> No, no. I, I looked at a lot of financial experts and not one of them had that on their top 10 things, surprises that would happen that year. <laughs> <laughs> it was the blackest of black swan events, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a surprise to many people. But I think what's important is not that, not, not whether it was a surprise, but whether you could handle it. <clears throat> and, you know, if you think about really how you handled it. And I think this is important just to kind of reflect on how each one of us handled that situation. And, you know, did you freak out? Did you, were you, you know, were you okay with it? Did you have a plan in place where you just kind of took that plan and started to work on it? You know, all these different things. I think most people were shocked. And there's a good book I read a while ago called The Survivor's Club, which talks about the, how humans engage with with events that that they're not prepared for and you know if you think about it like you're on a boat and a rogue wave comes and capsizes the boat well you're probably not thinking about what you're going to do because you're not expecting that to happen but when it happens what what typically people do if they're if they're experiencing an event that they've never seen before is they'll freeze and they they'll either there's really three reactions either you do exactly what you should do which is a very small percentage of the population, maybe 10 to 15%. 10 to 15% will do the exact opposite, so contrary to what you should do. So instead of like being calm, you might like, you know, you're in the water, you're dragging other people down, you're doing really counterproductive things. And then the vast majority of the people will just freeze. Like they won't know what to do, they won't know how to react. And I think if you're not mentally prepared for it, that is a normal event, is that you will freeze and you will not react to an event that you should you know, be mentally prepared for. So mental preparation is a big part of being financially resilient. So when we look back at the context of the, of COVID, you know, when, you know, you and I both are blessed with being able to talk to hundreds of people and just that subset and the way people responded to that blackest of black swan events, you know, it's, it's the old denial first, right? And then we go into some level of acceptance as, as we start going forward through the grieving process almost into where we are now. When, what have you seen with regard to people and the way that they 
maybe misreact financially with you know that they if they were more resilient and had more of a, a proactive mindset or what have you they, they may not uh, have done i mean for example i guess you could throw out uh, you know in, in the market selling at the low right yeah i actually want to Touch on one thing you just mentioned, the, this, the cycle, I forget what it's called, but it's basically a cycle of going from denial to acceptance. It's denial, then anger, uh, then bargaining, then depression, then acceptance. And that is a normal course of events. And I think most people, if you reflect in the last year, you probably went through that cycle at some way, shape or form. And I think the riots that happened were an example of the anger phase. And, you know, we don't get into po politics, but, you know, people were angry. They're angry that they're stuck at home. They're angry that they couldn't work. They're angry that, that bad things are happening. They couldn't do anything about it. I mean, all sorts of reasons, but that anger kind of blew up at that, you know, at that event last year and there were riots and all of us kind of went through that at one shape, shape or form. The financial part is really a large part of that is really being prepared in advance. And this is where the mental preparation comes in <clears throat> because, you know, that, that cycle that I just talked about, like all of us go through it, whether you're ready for it or not. But the fact that you're mentally prepared for it allows you to go through it in a more thoughtful and mindful way. So knowing that you're in the anger phase or that you're in the depression phase, it allows you to try to kind of kickstart yourself out of those phases. On the financial part, it's really important because you really need to be prepared for anything. I mean, you and I talk about this a lot, Greg, but you know, when it comes to managing wealth, you don't know the future. I know, listen to all the financial pundits out there, they're going to tell you what the future is, right? All these people are predicting what's going to happen this year, what's not going to happen. All the economists are going to tell you what's going to happen. It's interesting because no one knows what's going to happen, right? We all right, think right. that they do, right? We look up to them and we're like, oh, these people are really smart. What do they think is going to happen? They don't know. No one does, yep. right? Yep. The, the dismal science, right? Isn't that what yeah. the economists <laughs> yeah. yeah, the dismal science for sure. And the way, we, the way we kind of look at that is everyone's looking for an answer. They're not thinking about what could happen. They're not preparing for... You know, what they're do what most people do is they have what I call a outcome based thinking. So outcome based thinking is basically who's gonna win the election? What's the weather gonna be like today? Is the market gonna go up or down? Right? Those are outcome based thinking thoughts. That is perfectly normal. It is human nature to think that way. However, what you're doing is counterproductive because you're trying to predict the future, which none of us can. The more constructive way to do it is to have what we call scenario-based thinking, which is n knowing that we don't know the outcome, but looking at scenar different scenarios and thinking, all right, what is, wh what, like, take the election, for example. What is going to happen if Biden wins? What's going to happen if Trump wins? Or what is going to happen if it's unclear, which is a you know, very high probability case at that point. So just looking at different potential outcome scenarios and thinking, all right, if this happens, how am I going to react? You know, with my portfolio, for example, what am I going to change? Right? Right now they're talking about raising taxes. Okay. We don't know what that's going to look like. We know what they're saying, but the outcome might be different. So how am I going to react to these different situations? So probably the worst case scenario is you just go sell everything because you're worried about taxes going up. You don't know those taxes might happen this year, which case you're really, you know, putting yourself in a tough position. 
So it's a lot of this is kind of mindfulness and thinking through different scenarios so that no matter what happens, you're prepared, not only in, in terms of your how you're going to react to it, but more mentally. You're mentally prepared so that you can be very thoughtful in your approach. Well, you know, the the only constant is change, right? We we know that <laughs> there that you know, that that plans are just opportunities and set a direction, right? And and when we look towards the next 10, 15, 20 years of most of our clients' journey. We, nobody knows what's going to, what it's going to look like 20 years down the road, but there are certain trends, certain things that are more probable than not. And the more that you can build those into your business plan for life, as it were, the, the more you, you've got that resilience built in to be able to handle those inevitable changes that are, that are in front of you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's I, I like that quote. The only constant is change. <laughs> I think not enough people think about it that way. They they want to def, they want to define their life. They want things to be very fixed in nature. They want it to be predictable. And you know, if you really want to be resilient, you have to be the opposite. You have to be agile in your thinking. You have to be agile with you know understanding that the outcome is not certain. I mean, think about it this way. So, Greg, you and I, you know, do financial plans for people. You know, we're financial advisors and we put together a financial plan for somebody. Let's say they're 40 years old and they're going to retire when they're 65. That's 25 years from now. Now, are you and I, I know you and I are bright people, but I don't think we're smart enough to predict 25 years in advance exactly what that's going to look like. Right. But we that's would what's not be in this business. Right. <laughs> You could borrow my island for the weekend, Greg, if that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there, there's no way. We just need to set a course, right, for that island or where have you. Right. So if you think about like what people expect, so in our industry, people expect us to plan out 25 years in advance. And we can't do that to the penny because as soon as we put that plan together tomorrow, it's going to be different. Because every day is is change, right? You know, you get you you get married, you get divorced, you have kids, you know, you have unplanned kids, like maybe you have like a you know a surprise kid, <laughs> you know, you're you got to pay for your, your you know your daughter's wedding, you've got a they decide to go to one college versus another. I mean, there's so many choices that happen in life you cannot predict that far in advance. All you can do is get close and have a agile mindset that you know, you know that it's going to change and you're going to adapt to that change. And that adaptability is really what's important here is just to understand that, you know, to accept the fact that you're not going to know the outcome and just being okay with that. And some people that's hard. You know, and with, with the financial advisory industry, it's the, the, the bulk of the advisors out there try to, make things look more predictable than they are, you know, using you know, Monte Carlo simulations, whatever, but basically saying, you know, you're going to, you need to get your, your number. This is what you need to get to, to have the lifestyle that you want. But, you know, being, being agile, you've got to have more, more variables that you're trying to figure out than just how am I going to retire at 65, 67, right? To, to be able to handle these inevitable changes in your life, you've got to be able to build in more, you know, I guess, escape routes so that you've got 
that ability to, you know, look at uncertain times and address that core human need of certainty. How do you how do you balance those kind of things out in, in with with your clients and that that stress? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think you know change is hard. A lot of people, as you said, they're really uncomfortable with uncertainty. You know, I mean, think about a simple thing that affects everybody, right? Just like you know, what happens after you die, right? Some people think you go to heaven or hell. Some people, you know, one of my people in my family thinks you just turn into dirt and that's it and nothing happens. You know, but people have this opinion about what happens. I mean, who knows what happened? No, nobody has no, nobody has any factual evidence of anything one versus the other happening, right? <laughs> but you have a belief. Nobody credible has come back <laughs> from the other side. Yeah. Not, at least not that's shown up on Sci-Fi Network. Um, <laughs> but, but if you think about that, like we need that sense of certainty. We need to feel like we know what that outcome is going to be. And we don't. And But internally, we need that to feel comfortable. So people are very uncomfortable with change. And that's totally normal, right? And if you're thinking to yourself, like, you know, that's silly, this is going to happen. There's this thing we called like fixed mindset first growth mindset. And fixed mindset is, you know, something to be true. No one is going to tell you any different. You know, you're probably stubborn about it. I know because I'm stubborn. So I, I know what that feels like. And you have a fixed mindset. No one's going to change your mind. I mean, a good example is, I mean, not to get into politics, this is the last election. Both sides knew they were right. No matter what the opinion was, they knew they were right. And the probability is they're probably both wrong. There's some degree of truth in each one, but it's, you know, we don't really have a good grasp on reality. It's just something that, you know, human beings were not good at. And if you, if you think you do, then I'll give you, you know, <laughs> we can talk because there's some tests. You just realize right away that you're, you're not seeing it clearly. And you have to, th you have to think about things a little bit differently. So you have to be really comfortable with the fact that you're probably incorrect. It doesn't mean that you have to not be confident in your decisions. It just means that you, you know, you can be confident in your decisions, but you also have to be really flexible and adaptable at the same time. And this is really hard to do. I know Greg and I have spent a lot of time doing this and getting good at this because it's, it's so helpful, not only in life, but especially in the financial markets. Because think about it this way. <clears throat> Let's take the financial markets as a great example. We've had the longest running bull market in ever, I think, at this point, right? And it just keeps going up. And if you were just getting started in the markets in 2009, you've never seen a bear market. It's gone up pretty much for that entire 12-year period. It's crazy. It's you, can, you, need, you can easily justify away the blip of 2020. Right. And, and that's normal. Because it, it went away. It, it snapped. Right. It and if you've been around only for 12 years, that's normal. Because that's all you've ever seen. It's like people who were around in the 80s and 90s. The market just went straight up and it never goes down. And if it goes down, it'll always come back. And so that's your, that's your reality is you know that to be true. And, you know, the reality is if you look back in history, it's not true. But that's all you've ever known. And it's hard for you to contextualize history because you didn't live it in the same way that you're living it now. So – you might look at the market and say, well, last year, oh, the market always goes back up because look at last year. I mean, the whole global economy shut down and yet we were up like 10 plus percent for the year. I mean, business still shut down. How is that even possible? But it did. It happened, right? And if you were a logical right. person looking at the data, you would say that would never happen. But it did, right? 
So, you know, what's really important is to be flexible in your thinking. You don't know whether the market's going to go up or down. You can't predict it. If you could, you'd be on the island that Greg and I have, you know, knowing the future. But that's just not a reality. Even the best and brightest people in the world, the smartest money managers in the world, can't predict the future. So the best ones I've seen are able to do well in up and down markets. So take a guy like George Soros, for instance. I know he gets a lot of people who hate him, but he is a very, very accomplished money manager. And here's a guy who will very easily go long on a position and then very quickly take the other side and short it if he thinks that it's going the other direction. That's really hard to do. Most people are buy and hold oriented. They want to buy, it goes up. If it goes down, they just wait for it to come back. He's a guy who will buy and then and then realize it's, you know, things are turn around. He'll sell it and then he'll bounce back again. That is a very hard way of thinking to kind of ingrain in yourself. But that's the kind of thinking that people should have about life is you need to go with the flow. You need to be agile in your thinking so that you can adapt to situations that you can't plan for. And when you're Again, kind of looking at the the George Soros idea, the the whole concept, the individual investor, when they, as you said, buy and hold or what have you, don't know what the statistics are off the top of my head, but the average investor, you know, how their rate of return is, you know, so suboptimal, right? Because they don't know when to get back in. They let their 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 emotions get the better of them. They don't have any strategy at all. They'll react uh, when the market's going down. They don't have that resilience and, you know, they act in panic. So, so what can we as guides, coaches, advisors do to, you know, help them through these times and help them get a better sense of that resilience, that, that certainty in uncertain times? Yeah, I think there's a few ways you can do it. I think most of our industry, which I really don't like about the industry, but most of the industry doesn't really do much in terms of risk management. All they do is they just say the market's going to go up or down. You have to expect this outcome and the market will go down this percentage and you just have to ride it out. I don't accept that. I think that is lazy. And it, and it used to be correct, and that's the interesting thing. So in the 80s and 90s, that used to be the correct approach. You just buy and hold, it would dip. You just well, Maybe you buy in the dip and it would come back. So it did work for a period of time, but it, it doesn't work anymore because the markets have changed and most people have not adapted to that change. They still think things are the same. So you could do it one of a few ways. The first way is certainly buy and hold and hope it comes back. That works really well unless you're Japan, right? Japan the markets went down in you know pretty much the late 80s early 90s and haven't come back and it's what like 30 years later and the markets are still down so you know that's the scenario that if you're buying and holding that's a worst case scenario is that you lose and then you're close to retirement and it doesn't come back another way to do it would be to you know be a little bit more agile and try to time the market which is hard for anyone to do you know, there's some different strategies people use to do that. But, you know, for most people, that's that's not realistic because you have a full-time job. You know, but the other way to do it, which is really take a more tactical perspective, is 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 managing the risk. So the way we look at it is we can't predict the outcome. We know that. We can't predict the future. All we can do is we can we can manage the risk. So 
I don't know what the market's going to do when it goes up. It could go up 1%, 5%, could go up 30 or 40%. We just don't know. But I know that if the market goes down, I can max I can I can cap my loss. So I know like the worst case could happen it might go down 3 or 5 or 7% or whatever it is. I know how to manage that risk. And if I can cap that downside, then the upside will take care of itself. And a lot of this is actually a math, and I, I don't know how deep we want to get into this, but you know, a lot of this is just a, a math problem. And I think what most people haven't realized is because the markets have changed and they have not adapted themselves, that they haven't put some thought into how this can be done in an effective way. So if you look at last year as an example, we didn't know that was going to happen, but we were prepared for it. We didn't know, we weren't prepared for that situation. We were prepared if the market dropped. And I think that's really what's important is being prepared. And so then when it actually happens, then you're not surprised because if you've been through this a few times, you know, in the moment, you're not thinking clearly. You're not thinking clearly in March of last year or even February when the market was was declining. You know, you didn't know what was going. No one did. That's the whole point. That's why it does what it does, because no one has any idea of what's going on. And so you cannot be preparing yourself in a crisis. You have to be prepared before the crisis because really in a crisis, all you're doing is reacting and mostly reacting to emotions. And that is the worst way to invest is reacting to emotions. It's like buying some dodgy coin that's not worth anything and everyone says isn't worth anything and you keep buying it because you're like, all right, I'm going to make money and then get out at the top, which is very unrealistic, but that's how people think. Greed and fear is what run the markets. You know, as, as we kind of wrap up today here, you know, the, one of the my central contentions as we look forward the next 10, 15 years, and you kind of referenced it, is that some of the investing uh, methods that we've used have worked before, but they don't work now. And, you know, and I contend that the, 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 fin the marketers of financial services have really done the consumer a huge disservice by imposing upon them the pretty pie charts and the way that that tries to make a very uncertain system look certain. And if you just have the right colors in line, then buy and hold, you'll be fine. And then just leave them to panic when all of those previously non-correlated assets all fall at the same time. So, so Kirk, what are your thoughts about, you know, modern portfolio theory, theory you know, that approach as we now look down the next 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah, it's a great question, Greg. So, you know, if I, if I think about it, and one thing that always comes to mind is this, this phrase, of past performance does not indicate future results. <clears throat> it's required on every single document in our industry. It is plastered everywhere. Everyone knows about it. Everyone laughs about it because it's required. It's just, you know, one of those things. And it's true. Yet at the same time, there somebody's delivering you a picture of their past performance. So <laughs> they'll show you this 10-year history of how great <laughs> they are. And underneath, they'll say past performance is no indication of future results. Why do they even allow that? Like it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because most people in our industry will just look at the performance is they'll look at that chart and they'll say, oh, great. This person did a great job. I'm going to put money with them. And 
you know, I remember in 1999, people were throwing around those charts of the Munder NetNet fund that had like 100, 200% returns because they were all invested in tech stocks. And people were like, great, let's just do that. And, you know, if I kind of look at that, I, I, I just, it kind of makes me laugh because most people are still stuck in this kind of fixed mindset of, I need to look at the performance. And the performance really has no indication of what the future is going to hold. Because if you're looking at the past performance, you're effectively assuming that that person is going to be a genius every single year. And I could think of countless examples of times where people did a great job and then bad things happen. I mean, look at 2008. Some of the people that did a phenomenal job at basically making enormous amounts of money on the 2008 crash, they did a very, very mediocre job after that. I, I'm not going to name people, but let's just say, I mean, they made hundreds and hundreds of percents. And then after that, you know, they were barely squeaking by when they should have been killing mm -hmm. it. And so it's really hard. You can't look at past performance and, and, and assume that things are going to be the same in the future. Now, as I was alluding to before, like as you mentioned modern portfolio theory, Greg, that is what most people assume is accurate. They assume that modern portfolio theory is the, the best way to manage risk. And this is not just retail. This is institutions. The largest institutions out there use modern portfolio theory, and that is how they manage risk the vast majority of them, because they don't look at it any other way. And they're making an assumption that diversification works. And there was a time where it did work. It worked very well. And the 80s and 90s were a great example. When it hit 2008, things changed. It was actually a little bit before that, but things changed and no one noticed. They still operate as if it's the same, but it's changed dramatically. The whole financial system has adapted to this new way of doing things and people have not adapted their way of managing money. So if I look at this, you know, we focus on risk management first because that is the risk. The risk is not that we're going to come, that there's going to be a bump in the road. Like the market goes down 5% or 10%. That's not a risk. That's just volatility. That's just what happens in the market. A risk is what happens if the market goes down 40 to 60% and doesn't come back for 20 years? That's a risk, right? That is what we call permanent impairment of capital. Or you invest in dodgy coin at a dollar and it goes down to a penny because it probably is a penny is maybe a little bit of a stretch for what it's worth. So if you, you know, if you invest money and you lose it, it's permanent impairment of capital, that is a risk. And it's okay if it's a risk you're willing to take. Most people are not familiar with the fact that it's a risk at all. And so what's really important is to have an understanding of the risks you're taking and managing those risks. Modern portfolio theory is a great way of managing the bumps in the road, if you will, or the volatility, because the way it used to work is you'd have stocks, you'd have bonds. When the stocks went down, the bonds would go up and vice versa. And it would, it would, it would create a more even ride for you, right? Because if you just invested in equities, it'd be bumpier. So it created a more even ride for people. You'd have less return, but during the really bad times, you'd be okay. The problem is things have changed. Bonds are a 0% interest rate. So you're not getting that same cushion that you did in those bumpy roads. And not only that, but everything's pretty much correlated now. It used to not be that way. You diversified so that you could reduce that correlation and, and reduce that bumpiness and also reduce your inadequacy of picking the right sector. 
because no one really knows the future. So you just diversified and you kind of evened it out. That's what indexes are about. The problem now is everything's correlated. And it's in correlated in large part because the institutions are doing the same thing and they're causing the correlation. So 2020, 2018, 2015, 2008, those are all examples of what I call contagion. And contagion is what happens when everything goes down together. You could be in 20 different sectors, asset classes, whatever. There, you look at 2008, everything went down 38.5%, give or take a few percentage points. It didn't matter what you were in. That shouldn't happen. But yet it does happen now, and it happens with increasing frequency. So if you look at that as the scenario, why haven't people changed their ways of managing money? It's because they're fixed mindset. They're making assumptions that are no longer true, and they haven't bothered to to change their way of thinking. And I don't blame them. They're really smart people, but it's 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 a really hard thing to to perceive that things have changed that dramatically. So a lot of what Greg and I do is we manage the risk and we're more tactical in our approach, knowing that we don't know the future, but more managing the risk so that we're making money when the market goes up and not losing when it goes down. Well, and then on the consumer level, it's it's what they're being told to do by so many people. And so I'm going to ask our consumer fly on the wall, Eric. Do you have any questions, thoughts as you listen to, to Kirk and my conversation here today? I'm just taking everything in. I mean, guys, there's so many good points and so much just hard facts to hear, you know, as far as how uneducated we are as a, as a consumer and how a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there, right? And so that's why I appreciate both you guys. Kirk, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I got to know you today. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be subscribing to your podcast because you've got great information. I get to be with Greg on his podcast. and I learn every time I get together with him. So I think that's what we all need. We just need the information to be out there. We need educators that are willing to put in some time like you two to, to take us to that next level of education and understanding. And then my last thing is going to be asking for contact information uh, for both of you. People want to reach out. How do they get a hold of you guys? Kirk, I'll let you go first. Sure. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I'm pretty easy to find. You can go to my company website, which is innovativewealth.com. We have a lot of resources there. Right, I write all the blog posts, so everything you'll get, you'll you get to know me by reading those. We also have, as as was mentioned, Money Tree Podcast. So it's MoneyTreePodcast.com. I have a show. I have a weekly show. It's on you know all the podcast apps of your choosing, and you can go there and listen to me every week. And those are, and I'm on social media too. But those are the best ways to reach me. And as always, if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach out to me uh, through email, uh, greg at dupontwealth.com. That's greg at dupontwealth.com. Or you can give me a good old-fashioned call at 614-408-0004. Again, 614-408-0004. Guys, again, this has been fantastic. Kirk, thank you so much for being here. Greg, of course, thank you for bringing him on the show. And our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.